It's called wokeness, and it's a plague. A plague that places tyranny before freedom, criminality over virtue, and hate over love. It's a plague that threatens what millions have died for. Victory at all costs. Victory in spite of all terror. Victory however long and hard the road may be. We will fight it. We will defeat it. We will eradicate it. Ladies and gentlemen, introducing the least woke man in America. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of The Least Woke Man in America, where we continually fight against Praghelia, the left-wing, gunless, godless, crime-ridden, abortion-filled, meatless hellhole the American left continues to create in the United States of America. And this week was a huge week for international Praghelia. Why? Well, as some of you who might have listened to the Wednesday uh, podcast no this week was the week the world economic forum converged in davos switzerland and this is one of those situations where you might have heard about it anecdotally throughout the week little clips on the radio or reading stuff and so what i'm going to do is what i call the producer recap the producer recap is where i take a news uh event and I give everyone a summary because I know the producers, as we call them here at leastwoke.com, the people who make America work, the people who are working hard every week at their jobs, raising families, following the law, doing paying taxes, making this country work. Sometimes it's not easy to keep up with the details of certain news events, It's even if they're really important. And this is important. This is important. Let me just say this. Remember way back during the Ron DeSantis, Ron Landslide DeSantis was fighting against the gender Nazis in Florida with the foolish uh, uh, misnomer, don't say gay. Do you remember that? There was a law that was passed so teachers could not talk to kids in kindergarten, first, second grade about gender do you remember that? And how all of us normal people knew how creepy that was? So Ron Landslide DeSantis passed the law in Florida. But my bigger point was in that podcast, as well as what I did about uh, progressives possibly being demon-possessed, was that where does all this come from? Where does this non-sensical evil crap come from? I said, it's like they're drinking from a, just a dangerous fountain. It's one thing, um, put it this way. I know this might be a, a weird issue, but I think a lot of you will know where I'm coming from. On the right and the left, there's people that talk about how it's good for taxpayer money to build community colleges because community colleges are really helpful because we live in a capitalistic, innovative culture, country, which we do, and we all benefit from that. But because of that, skill sets come and go so quickly as things become obsolete that it's in the best interest of the country to have a lot of community colleges so people can be retrained for the future. And of course, people with a purely conservative, libertarian, fiscally conservative mindset, well, that's not right. People should pay for their own tuition to go to community college, and that tuition money should pay for the community college himself, and taxpayers shouldn't be involved, and blah, blah, blah. And I get all that. But what I'm saying is, take an issue like that. There are good well-intentioned people on both sides trying to come up with a solution 
for real world issues because we want a capitalistic, innovative society and culture. But on the other hand, if we have a soul, we don't want people terrified, especially if they're trying to raise families and they're middle class people every time their skill set goes away and you know then they run into financial hardship and then they become burnout and miserable and then you have a recipe for no one wanting capitalism and it ha- has happened before but my point is again good people both sides kind of ambiguous situation where both sides have a good argument etc i get it but there are certain other issues and it seems like we're being deluged with them recently where it's just just so far out there whether it's people taking their kids to see uh drag Queens, the never-ending effort where kids are allowed. I'm talking kids, people. I'm talking young kids, not 18-year-olds. Kids uh, are thinking about changing their genitals permanently with the people on the left fighting, not only so they can do it, but that their parents can't intervene. Okay, so we know there are real repercussions off because in, in many school districts except for especially in blue states it's literally true there are people who are frustrated at the way that they are blocked by school districts by the law for talking to their own kids about these issues and it's just one of those issues where you wake up and say how did this happen well you're in new york state in 2000 there's a program a law in place this is not potential law this is not something where the legislation's in the works no this is past law that starting in 2025, new buildings cannot have gas-fired heating units. It has to be heat pumps. And I'm not going to get into details. And then there's a program, and that's it, from 2025 to 2030, existing structures are grandfathered. But from 2030 on, existing homes will need these heat pumps and will not be allowed. That word we always talk about, allowed and not allowed. You know, like people who didn't get the vaccine weren't allowed to go to work and weren't allowed to fly. And the progressive, responsible, progressive leaders swooped in. It's the whole, I call it the swoop in, where they, they decide, these um, people who advocate for you know childhood genital mutilation and abortion and letting criminals run free, they do their swoop in as progressive, responsible leaders and decide what's allowed and not allowed. So they have decided that people in their own homes will not be allowed to have gas heaters. Now, so for some of you in New York, uh, you might be some of the few people left that don't know about this. You're probably in shock. If people live in red states or normal people states, as I call them, you probably even just scratch your head. Oh my God, I thought they were, I knew they were nuts in those states, but they've reached a whole new level and you are right. So my point is, People wonder where all this stuff comes from out of nowhere. And when we look at the World Economic Forum in Davos, Switzerland, you have 3,000 heavyweights, financial leaders, CEOs, academics, and most importantly, climate activists converging in one area where really they are setting the stage for you and I, all these, these 3000 people have big, big plans for you and I, whether we like it or not, as exactly as we've seen, because that's the way it works. 
These big wigs get together. There's a zeitgeist, like I've talked about on Wednesday, that's created just a mood or atmosphere, a, a, a belief system that they're going to push on everybody else. Because make no mistake, what's taking the place here is you have leftist. Uh, by the way, the, the, the place is overrun with hookers. Did you know this? There was an article in the New York Post. There's like hundreds of sex workers converge on the place. So you have a deeply humanistic uh, situation where you have a group of people working out their salvation with Gaia via climate change, climate activism. Uh, they, In their own mind, they're in a race to save the planet. They're in a race. These people are possessed. You know, like we talk about like spiritual matters, someone could be demon possessed. What possessed them to do it? They are possessed. You know, that's why it took me a while to understand what Jordan Peters was talking about, but such a great idea comes up with you. You never want to, as much as you like an idea, you never want to be possessed by it because then, of course, your rational thinking is off and you won't criticize the idea and uh, you're, you'll force it upon others. These people are zealots. They are possessed with the idea of that they are saving the planet. They are saving us from ourselves. I think they were deeply emboldened by the COVID lockdown because that was like a test run that you know, they just saw with abject fear you can create the restrictions, what's allowed and what's not allowed. So, so like I said, you wonder where this stuff comes from. You get, you know, 3,000 earth-worshipping Christophobes, meat haters, all in one spot with a lot of money who like to run their mouth, who in their own minds um, cannot be told what to do. This is what you end up with. So what is the World Economic Forum founded in 1971 by Schwab himself, the WEF is committed to, quote, improving the state of the world for, through public-private cooperation. I'm going to read another par a paragraph that I read on the Wednesday podcast, but I think it's worth repeating because it's so good. And this is from the article from How the Davos Elite Took Back Control. The WEF is Insulating Policymaking from Democracy by Tom Fozzie, unheard.com, U-N-H-E-R-D, outstanding website. Okay, so this is, you got to listen to this paragraph because what they're, in essence, what they're doing, I'm paraphrasing it. They're, this is what I call the backdoor approach to limiting democracy. So rather than going in um, and just, you know, declaring yourself dictators, you slowly erode away with it. You slowly erode it away by handing off the power to international organizations, by creating laws and regulations that restrict behavior. So... While this may sound, this is this is Tom Fozzi. While this may sound fairly benign as far as the World Economic Forum's uh, commitment, it neatly encapsulates the basic philosophy of globalism: insulating policy from democracy by transferring the decision-making process from the national international level, where citizens theoretically are able to exercise some degree of influence over policy, to the supranational level by placing self-selected group of unelected, unaccountable stakeholders, mainly corporations in charge of global decisions concerning everything from energy and food production to the media and public health. So there you go. They have decided, they have decided, these, you know, climate clowns, what is best for you and I. And it's, uh, if you look at the leader, Klaus Schwab, if he doesn't look like something out of an Orwellian hell, I don't know what else to tell you. He looks like George Orwell. If he was alive, God bless his soul. 
and looked and connected the dots on all this as far as the purpose, the size of this group, and then saw the profile of Klaus Schwab, the founder of this. He looks like something right out of a movie. You can't even make it up. His daughter, by the way, is is one of the leaders of what's called the Gender Equity Project. So we have gender Nazis and climate clowns all converging on a Swiss ski slope, all figuring out what's best for you and I. So I'll be right back with more of this. Okay, I'm back. And I wanted to put in context here just how wrong these people have been for decades, literally decades. I have a article here from Cal Thomas, who I've always liked a lot. And he has some different paragraphs. This is from The World. And it's it, it's an older article. It's from 2021, July 29, 2021. But it's still important because in different paragraphs here, he he talks about different climate junkies, climate clowns, and their predictions. Uh, John Kerry, in February of 2021, told CBS this morning, the world has nine years. I can't even talk about this stuff without laughing. Nine years before doomsday. And can you imagine the rage if you put these guys all in the room in an auditorium and literally saw me? I can't even talk. These are some of the most self-serious human beings on planet Earth. What's there, eight billion people on planet Earth right now? When you get into climate clowns, hardcore climate clowns, Al Gore, who we'll talk about, John Kerry, you are talking about Bill Gates. You are talking some of us so self-serious human beings for them. me to sit here and laugh. A poor conservative podcast plebe about their foolish predictions. Oh, my God. Anyway, so Kerry told CBS this morning that the world has, quote, nine years, unquote, before doomsday. What happened in the last uh, in the last five months to advance his forecast? This is Cal Thomas. He doesn't say in reporters. They, of course, they won't ask him, all right, because they're all in it together. So in 1967, Stanford University biologist Paul Ehrlich claimed, quote, it's, quote, it's already too late for the world to avoid a long period of famine, end quote. He also declared the U.S. population too big. He suggested the government might need to impose involuntary involuntary birth control through sterilizing agents put into staple foods and drinking water. This is what you're talking about here. You, you think uh, people like myself or supposedly the crazy people, what I've talked about in previous podcasts, Proghelia, the leftist utopia, where the everyone is perfectly educated and the air is perfectly clean and the water is perfectly clean and everybody with a low IQ with Down syndrome or whatever is aborted and no one, everybody eats just beautiful uh, kale and salads with little pieces of apple like you see on a Martha Stewart show off to the side. And that is the perfect world. We finally got the conservatives out of the way. We finally got the working class out of the way. We finally got the rednecks out of the way. That's their utopia. You could say you could get that, you know, Margaret Sanger. She was a big um, eugenics person and she was a staunch racist. We finally got the blacks out of the way. That is Proghelia. And I mean, if that doesn't encapsulate it right there, and it is just a pure reflection of Nazism. It is. It is left-wing Nazism, a utopia, a humanist utopia. And once people go down the humanist route, there's no limit to the insanity that can take place. I fully believe that. 
Does it matter of IQ score, what the degree is? Once human beings see themselves as the core of the universe, there is no limit to the bedlam that takes place. Because as you know, Rush Limbaugh used to talk about, uh, with the left, um, what they do is they find their pet cause. And that is their salvation. And they will do whatever it takes all the way back to Mao and Marx and the rest of them to bulldoze over everybody else to to do whatever it takes for their pet cause in their own self-righteous mind. That is completely different than justice as far as creating a set of laws to protect people's rights, to protect people from each other, to have repercussions if one person hurts another person like murder in the criminal law or in civil law where one person needs to sue another person because their property was damaged. That is goes back 4,000 years. It goes back to the Magna Carta. It's beautiful. It's precious. That really is evolved. That really is progressed. That is human beings switching from a bunch of cavemen who run around a group. You know, we got bigger group. You steal the smaller group stuff and kill them. Uh, that That is unevolved thinking. They are a step back. That's what they don't seem to get. They are a step back as far as believe mythical stuff, which this climate clown nonsense is. Group get together find billionaires, suck up to them, get their money. Politicians, you know, obviously beg for their donations and then force our will upon everybody else. It's all of it is a step back. And so that's what we're dealing with here. Here's another um, paragraph from Cal Thomas. In 1970, a scientist named James P. Lodge Jr. predicted a, quote, new ice age, end quote, by the 21st century. Here we are 21 years into the 21st century and some quote experts are saying the opposite. No one no wonder critics call it quote junk science. 1972, two members of the Department of Geological Science at Brown University wrote President Nixon with another dying warning. Their letters say, quote, the main conclusion of the meeting was that a global deterioration of climate by order of magnitude larger than any other experience by civilized mankind is a very real possibility and indeed may be very soon. Nearly 50 years later, we are still waiting for the sky to fall. So then, you know, this is the, then you add Al Gore. You look at Al Gore and John Kerry, two men that were almost president of the United States, nominees of the Democratic Party. Al Gore, what was it, 272 votes or some crazy thing in Florida, from being president of the United States. You could like, I don't have any use for Barack Obama, but to my opinion, uh, Barack Obama, I'm sure he cares about the environment. But to me, he played the environment, he played the climate clowns and enviro wackos like a bunch of fools. You don't see him uh, swashbuckling around the world, saving the world from climate change and climate disaster and climate Armageddon. But Kerry and Gore, two men who were almost president of the United States, I said from day one, people probably thought I was a little crazy. John Kerry, of all of Biden's cabinet picks, scared me the most. The fact he was the climate envoy, the climate czar, you don't hear from him much, and he's usually a huge attention whore. So the fact you don't hear from him, he's on a plane flying around all day, meeting God, doing God only knows what, with an un, probably massive multi-billion dollar budget. Here's a guy who married rich twice who's never had a job in the private sector. If all this doesn't scare the hell out of you, I mean, you might not be playing with a full deck. So he, there's a video of him at Davos this week 
repeating again. He, he, you can see the video right on YouTube. Money comes down to money, 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 money. I'm not kidding you. I'm not kidding. And that's what a lot of this comes down to. Oh, well, actually, all of it comes down to money. They are making a fortune. Now his daughter's involved. Don Carey's daughter is involved. I listened to her, a clip of her on Ben Shapiro, where she's talking about 25% of all deaths on this planet right now are environmentally related. So she's tapping into daddy's gravy train. And then you have the beauty of beauties, Albert Gore Jr., former vice president of the United States. Like I said before, 272 votes from becoming president. And he was there this week. And I don't know if any of you have seen this video. He looked like a flaming nutcase with the look in his face. He, he looked like a guy that sells life insurance and is sitting at the kitchen table with a couple. He just got a, like a big bill from the IRS and found out his wife is uh, pregnant with triplets. I mean, just like, we are going to close the deal. And, and Gore has been one of the great prophets, almost the Pope of this whole movement, right from, he wrote the Earth and Balance uh, when he got out of Harvard, it was a Harvard professor that inspired with him with all this stuff, I believe in the 1960s. And he has been a doomsdayer climate prophet ever since. He has made a freaking fortune. He had the audacity to build a news network, supposedly left-leaning, and then sold it for a fortune to a bunch of Saudi um, oil billionaires. You, you just cannot make up the hypocrisy, the phoniness with this stuff. But like I said, with the New York State, we're in 2030. Good, hardworking, law-abiding, tax-paying citizens and New York State will not be allowed to even use natural gas natural gas to heat their homes. Um, and, and keep in mind, natural gas was going to be the savior for a lot of these uh, uh, climate clowns. Um, I call them, in some ways I call them enviroholics because like Rush Limbaugh used to say, there's never enough for them because natural gas was supposed to be the savior. It's so clean. It's so clean and we have so much of it. And we have an abundance and they're all excited and passionate. I remember 20 years ago when I was in my 20s, and now that, that's not even good enough. It, now that wind and solar is so prevalent and it's so exciting, the transition we're making that everybody else is paying for. Everybody else is paying for our passion and excitement. The normal baby boomer thing. Or I have my cause and I'm so passionate about it. I can't wait to pat slaws and shove my passion down your throat and spend your money on my passion. So anyway, um, natural gas isn't good enough. And that's where this comes from. So this is so important. And this is it. All this stuff we talk about, like I said before, the community college thing. And there's many examples like that. It could be military spending. It could be uh, regulating banks. There's good si arguments on both sides. But some, a lot of these things are what I call stand your ground issues. The general mutilation, the in New York State, and I'm sure other blue states have their own same wacky, perverse, evil version of the same thing, where you literally let criminals out the day after they commit offense. And I'm talking physical, violent offenses, selling drugs, beating people throughout the next day. These are stand your ground issues. There's no gray area. Late term abortion, post birth abortion, 
There's no gray area. It should not be ambiguous. Don't be like the um, idiots who, you know, it's one thing I always say in all this stuff, the left is composed of two groups, sickos and cowards. The sickos are the ones who are just like sociopaths. They actually, they believe this stuff. They don't care about the truth is like these, some of that lunatic I just quoted here who wanted to do birth control in the food and water to reduce the number of human. There's something, I, I again, you can't, you gotta have the self-confidence, not cut up, get caught up in IQ score or where they went their degree. It, it, even though that stuff can establish a person's intelligence. Once you go down that route, then you see their soul. You can see, well, it's all a psychopath could be like Albert Einstein. They're still a psychopath. They're still going to hurt a lot of human beings. And you don't want to be at the wrong end of that. So in the sicko group, you have people like this guy who actually believe this stuff. The cowards, and then, well, filters from this guy through the media, through the academic establishment, it gets into some low IQ half-bake like uh, Behar and Whoopi Goldberg. Next time, they're, they're puking it out to 19 million people in the morning on The View. And that's where the cowards come in, who they know innately that it's all bullshit. It's destructive. It's not healthy. They kind of nod their heads up and down. Yeah, it's kind of true. And, uh, you know, and then next thing you know, a family's sitting at home and, you know, little uh, Johnny's running around with a dress on. He's seven years old. And little Brittany's, uh, she's nine years old and throwing toys at dad's head because it makes her feel empowered. And mom's laughing. And everybody knows it's stupid and it's not right. But, you know, it's kind of the zeitgeist of the time that came through MSNBC and came through Behar and Goldberg and came through Anderson Cooper. And now that's considered the norm. As I always say, uh, your culture is such a powerful world word because that establishes your norms. All right. So you have to, and then, and then it's up to the rational objective people who care about what's real, what's true, what's important to step in the sandbox and say, what is going, what have you, what have you, just look at Anderson Cooper and to look at Rachel Maddow and look at Keith Oberman, even in, in, in Lawrence O'Donnell and there is Hillary Clinton is as important and as smart as they made their say, make themselves out to be. Let's say, what have you kids been up to? What, where did you come up with this stuff? And that's where we have to come in. We can't be the ambiguous group. We can't be the cowards and the step in because that's your culture is your norms. And if your norms are bad, you could be walking right off the open-minded cliff, right? To right. And next thing you're, you're done, then you're done. And that has happened before in other cultures. And despite our beautiful smartphones and our medical technology and everything we have that don't be a fool and think that can't happen here. So we have to step in and say, what have you kids been up to? Mutilating your genitals and post-birth abortion and Mr. Seven Felonies just beat up his girlfriend and is out the next day. What have you kids been up to? And, you know, they can stare straight ahead with that Hillary Clinton look, Lori Lightfoot look. When you really confront them with the truth, they kind of stare at you with that look on their face. I call it the beautiful eyes of sociopathic enlightenment where they stay, put that look on your face like you're the idiot because you don't go along with this stuff. Well, no one should be going along with this stuff. No one should be going along with this stuff. I mean, the climate clowns are a joke. What amazed me about climate change is a lot of things, but two things. One, like we've gone over here how 
wrong the predictions always are. That never ceases to amaze me. Yeah, Al Gore predicted. The, do you remember Rush Limbaugh had a, a a place on his website called the Al Gore Doomsday Clock? When he took Al Gore, I think I, I wish I. I'm just thinking this right now. I wish I would have thought about it before the show. I would have got the details. But Al Gore predicted the end of the world. Rush Limbaugh literally started back in the 80s or 90s a countdown on his website into the day where Al Gore predicted the end of the world. I think it was 2011. It's long lapsed. Rush has passed away, and Al Gore is still at Davos like a lunatic, begging billionaires for money promoting politicians who are going to pass this stuff, shove it down our throats after being that wrong. So one is how wrong the predictions are, but two, how much climate change goes away when something seriously actually happens. So like when COVID hit, no one cared about climate change. No one, I mean, except for trust fund babies and complete academic whack jobs, no one cared about it. But Ukraine, there's 65 million people in the Ukraine, except for some corduroy-covered socialist professor hiding somewhere in Kiev smoking a bowl right now. No one in Ukraine cares about climate change. And that's just the way it is, because reality if it is set in. Uh, climate change, earth worshiping, and genital mutilation, and not caring about criminals are all the effects of a pampered, spoiled society that doesn't live in reality. You and I all know that. So it's just amazing how wrong all of this always is. It just never ceases to amaze me. I'll be right back. Okay, I am back. And just to recap, we all, if we don't pay attention, are subject to the laws of a bunch of earth-worshipping hooker lovers if we don't pay attention <laughs> uh no but seriously you know folks this is an example people will say i hate politics how can you follow politics politics is so boring well i have followed politics since elementary school call me a nerd probably deserve it but the point is there are a lot of parts of politics I hate too. You know, I, I've been volunteered a lot in my 20s, especially 30s, in Republican politics. I could tell you there's a lot of Republican people in Republican politics that'll make you cringe as far as phoniness and narcissism. And just, it, it's all weird. When, when you get on the inside, it's kind of creepy. But the net result of politics is laws are created, judges are appointed or elected. They make decisions that do affect our day-to-day -day life. So in some ways, we found one of the fountains. When I talk about we're drinking from a dangerous fountain, Davos, Switzerland is one of the fountains. Like I said, it's a one of the real centers of deep, beautiful, sociopathic enlightenment that in many ways dominates the decisions that are around this world. But, you know, let's not... Let's not get overwhelmed. Let's not take too dire of an attitude towards this because keep this in mind. I know a lot of you probably experienced this too. I have worked with and had customers and friends who are Democrats, not radicals, but you know, they vote Democrat most of the time. And even they roll their eyes when they, you mentioned climate change and this, and that's how much not real this is this that's just how much this is a path of salvation and to give purpose and meaning in life to the wealthy the 
uh, the wealthy housewife, the trust fund babies, the poor empty souls roaming around this world. But again, we have to stand our ground and not even be ambiguous with this stuff because some of them are just such militant science know-it-all. Sound familiar? Very militant science-based know-it-alls. And that's why the COVID lockdown and the COVID situation and the vaccine situation, even coming from someone who's vaccinated like myself, was so downright scary. So Davos is important, but the fact that we can criticize it like this and mock it is so precious and so beautiful, at least for the time being. I mean, uh, Tucker, go on YouTube, Tucker gave a beautiful seven-minute diatribe about this. Ben Shapiro's been all over it. All the right-wing people have been all over it. And so it's so important to hear that view and not let these freaking know-it-alls overpower us. But that requires courage. It requires being a contrarian. And that's why we have to fight on. So like I always say, everybody, protect your heart for it's where all else flows from. I hope you enjoyed the flows from, excuse me. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. And I see you next week. I'm the least woke man in America.